preaching on baptism tonight. And the reason that my lovely daughter is here right now is not because she's in trouble, which is a punishment I often do sometimes. You're in trouble. You've got to hear daddy preach. So she's not in trouble, but she is being baptized um, next week. And so we wanted her to stay here and to hear why she's getting baptized. Why is that important? Why do we do that? What's the significance of it? So I want to throw this encouragement out to you guys, along with a personal disclaimer. College was absolutely, I mean, relatively wasted for me as far as knowledge. I gained very little knowledge in college. I just wasted. I studied, I studied long enough to get an A on the test, and then I totally forgot all the information. If you asked me anything pertinent about what I learned in college, you know, I don't have, you know, I, I don't know. I just kind of let that opportunity be wasted. So Braden, who's heading off to college, don't let college be wasted. Learn. Don't just learn long enough to pass the test. Learn. So church, here's my encouragement to each one of us today. Don't let this moment, this opportunity be wasted. We need to know why. We get baptized in water. We need to know what it is to be baptized. So really just, we're going to pray in a moment and come into agreement with the Lord, asking him just to to have our ears and eyes be open to hear from him and to receive from him. But let's receive what God has tonight, the fullness of it. it. It would be really disappointing if God just had these amazing things for us tonight and we only left with part of it, wouldn't it? Amen. So, that said, actually, before I pray, there's one other announcement. Um, Robin, where are you at? Robin, wave. Okay, so I got a phone call from Robin yesterday, and it was really cool. Um, she called me up and said, Pastor Mark, um, there were these fires in Brighton, and there were people that lost their home and, and lost everything they had, and and I you know, wanted to see if we could help. So I dug a little deeper and and was talking with Robin today and um, she saw the fire truck go into the fire so she followed behind the fire truck um, at a very safe distance no doubt (laughs) all right so she she yielded to the fire truck got out of the way and then at a safe distance followed the fire truck and she followed to where the fire was and saw um, what was taking place and saw this uh, family as they sat and watched their apartment burn down, um, there were some teenage girls, and I might get some of the details not 100% right, but you know, she saw a couple teenage girls and um, offered them shelter uh, in, in her vehicle from the rain because it was raining, and uh, even um, took the sweatshirt off her back and gave it to one of them because she was cold, and talked to the grandma and said, hey, let us see what we can do to help. Let me, get, let me have your number, and, and my church, you know, let's see what we can do to help. How awesome is that? That is the heart of our Father. That is the heart of our Father. So here's what we're going to do. Um, if we don't have your email address, please make sure we have your email address before we leave. If you're a part of Impact Rock, we do a lot of communicating via email. But we're going to email you guys. We're going to find out sizes. as two teenage girls. We're going to find out sizes. We're going to find out names and of the mom and dad as well. And uh, we're going to see what we can do to help them. So if you have clothes... Clothes, dishes, glasses, I mean, uh, bedding. There's really, they lost everything. So um, let's see what we can do to help, amen? And if you feel led 
uh, to, to give financially. Make your check out to Impact Rock and just put fire help. And, uh, and we'll see you know, if we can take a check over to them just to show them the love of God. Amen? What's that? Um, if you need emails, I'm sorry, say it again, baby. Yes, give Kara your email address so that we can add you to the list. Um, if you gave it to me, it might end up in a pocket washed somewhere. I don't know. So give it to Kara. All right. Um, let's pray. And church, as we pray, let's come into agreement and let's yield to the Holy Spirit and what he has. Amen. Uh, Lord, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus with expectation, with appreciation, with a thankful heart. And just with our, our hearts and our ears and our minds and our spirits being wide open to hear from you. Lord, as an act of our will, we yield to you. We submit to you. We say, have your way, Lord. Let your word come alive to us tonight. Thank you, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Lord, you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I am uh, preaching tonight on water baptism. And uh, when I'm talking of water baptism, um, it, you'll also hear me refer to of Christian baptism. So water baptism, Christian baptism. The reason that, uh, that, that water baptism and Christian baptism can be used uh, interchangeably is because we'll see, we'll talk about John's baptism for a while. And John's baptism was also a baptism in water. So when we talk about baptism, water baptism, Christian baptism, we're talking about water, Jesus, Christian baptism, okay? And when we're talking about John's baptism, I'll refer to it as John's baptism. So we're doing this message on water baptism, and I, I, I like this graphic because my buddy uh, Terry, uh, TK, got on my, I put that on Facebook, and he's like, man, it's like a preview to open waters. So welcome to Shark Week at Impact Rock, and... <laughs> And if you're getting baptized next week, I just want to encourage you, there will be no sharks. It's totally safe. Now, there have been instances of doves appearing on the scene, but they're totally safe from sharks, okay? And I had another graphic that was much more uplifting, but this one was kind of cooler. So we went with this one. There we go. I want to start with a scripture from Matthew 28, 18 and 19. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to go over three areas tonight on baptism. Um, we're going to go over what is required in order to be baptized, what is water baptism, a.k.a. Christian baptism, what is it? And why are we baptized in water? So those are the three things we're going to cover tonight. Um, I'm going I'm to go through the first part, what it is to be, uh, what is required in order to be baptized. I'm going to go through it pretty quick um, so that I can kind of camp on the other areas. So if you like, Mark is talking unusually fast tonight. Yes, I am for this very beginning. So what is required in order to be baptized? Number one, Repent. 
Acts 2.37 and 38 says this. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In response to what shall we do, Peter gives two instructions, two commands. Number one, repent. Number two, be baptized. Repentance should be the response of any sinner to a holy God. Repentance. Repentance simply means this, to change our mind. To change our mind from our way of thinking to his, to repent. To give thought to what it is that God has for us, to come into agreement with him, to turn from that, but to change our mind. Repentance is the response when we face God. Repentance must come before baptism. Once once repentance has occurred, then baptism can be seen as an outward affirmation of that inward change that has taken place. But before it can be an affirmation of it, the inward change has to take place. Does that make sense? Something's got to take place right here. Number two, what is required in order to be baptized? Believe. Mark 16, 15 and 16 says this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Jesus states that those who are saved by and through the gospel are required to do two things. Believe and be baptized. Number three, respond to God with a clean conscience. This one I find very interesting. Respond to God with a clean conscience. 1 Peter 3.21 says this, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What Peter is doing here, he is absolutely dismissing the notion that baptism is about any sort of cleansing. It's not. Baptism is not about any sort of cleansing. When we go into that water, it's not to be cleaned. He is making it perfectly clear that Christian water baptism is from the response of the believer's heart. What does it mean to answer God with a good or a clean conscience? Number one, the believer has humbly acknowledged their sin. We've acknowledged our sin. We've acknowledged our need for a Savior. Number two, he has confessed faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And then three, by an act of obedience is being baptized. Having met these requirements, we as believers are able to respond to God with a clean conscience. Number four. By the way, if I can pause for a second. This is why I preach series. Because it's so much easier to not give you this huge... We're having a huge meal tonight. This is a huge mess. This is like Thanksgiving, you know, mixed with Super Bowl Sunday. 
you know, I'm, I'm trying, but we're baptizing next week, so we've got to cover a lot of ground, but I really would like to take like three weeks for this, but you're getting a lot of it tonight. Number four, become a disciple. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. The first three requirements that I've listed, repenting, believing, responding to God with a clean conscience, they're all summed up in this fourth requirement, becoming a disciple. Becoming a disciple. Here Jesus commissions his followers to carry the good news of Jesus Christ, to carry the gospel to all nations. Discipleship is not simply making a decision or or going through a ritual that we call baptism. It is a lifelong commitment to pursue Jesus Christ. Being a disciple is a decision to grow in the maturity and the fullness of what God has for you. Being a disciple isn't coming to church. Being a disciple isn't doing good things. Being a disciple is setting your heart on Jesus Christ so that we, through the course of being in the world, take the good news with us. We are called to be disciples. I have a question. The four things I just listed is a baby or an infant capable of doing any of those four things I just listed? Is a baby capable of repenting? Is a baby capable of receiving or believing rather? Coming before the Lord with clear conscience. You see where I'm going with this? Being a disciple. This is why we do not baptize babies. I mean, we're just kind of laying some groundwork. This is why, you know, we as a church, we don't baptize babies because I just read off the four requirements of of being eligible for baptism or of being able to come before the Lord in baptism. And there are willful things that we have to do. And a baby's not capable of this. So what do we do with our infants? Well, we follow the example of Jesus. When Jesus was a child, he was taken to the temple and presented to God. Presented to God. So that's what we do. We present babies and infants to the Lord in dedication. We present them and say, Lord, this child, we, we present them before you. And we dedicate ourselves. Really, the presenting is more of a dedication of ourselves. We dedicate ourselves to raise this child in the Word. To raise this child in your way. To raise this child in, in the pursuit of your love and the knowledge of you. So that's what we do as a church. So, we've covered what's, what's required. So now, what is water baptism? What is our Christian baptism? The Greek word baptizo comes from the Greek root word bapto. So the word bapto, so I'm, this is, you know, I'm trying to make this exciting. Bapto, I mean, it sounds like a drain cleaner or something, right? So bapto is used three times in the New Testament. All three times it is used in the, in the New Testament, it is used 
to, to imply dipping. Uh, it's used um, in reference to um, the, the man who was being tormented in hell and just asked just for, for uh, uh, Abraham to tip uh, his, his garment in water and just, and just dip it in his mouth to quench it. It's used, uh, Jesus, when he's at the, the Last Supper, he said, this sign, this will let, let you know who's going to betray me. It's the one who I, who I baptize, who I dip this, this bread, this morsel into and give it to. And he gave it to Judas. Um, it's also used in Revelation, talking about the dipping of the garment into blood. So from that word bapto, we get the word baptizo, which is translated as this. To dip something into a fluid and then take it out again. To immerse something beneath the surface of water or some other fluid. This is what the word baptizo means. And this is where we get baptized. That word means to immerse, to dip, to put beneath the surface of the water. That's what the word means. That's how it's that's how it's translated. So, we as a church, when we baptize, we dip you beneath the surface of the water, completely submerged, completely buried, if you will, and then and we definitely pull you up, almost always. That's why we do what we do, because this is what the words. That's what the the translation of this word is. Here's a great way of of looking at baptism, a real practical way of looking at it. Think of of a door. And when you are immersed into that water, you are walking through a doorway. And as you walk through, there's a door that slams shut to you, never to return. As you walk through that doorway, that door slammed behind you. What's behind that door is gone. It's past. It stays at the bottom of that pool or the bottom of the lake. Whatever it is. And what lies ahead is what has been opened unto you. What lies ahead is what we walk through. When we think about baptism, that's exactly what's taking place. In the Bible, we see different types of baptism. There's John's baptism, the baptism of suffering, uh, Christian water baptism as we know it, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of fire. Many Christians aren't totally clear as to the difference between John's baptism and our Christian baptism. I think the main difference is, is they both were in water. So let's go ahead and, and read a couple of scriptures and we'll point out the difference. We'll let the word kind of do the teaching here. So Acts 19, 1 through 5. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So let's hold on to that. So that's Paul just given a difference of explanation between John's baptism and and the baptism in water as we know it. 
Let's also read real quick from Matthew chapter 3. The best introduction to Christian water baptism is looking at the baptism of Jesus himself, right? So that's what this is, Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you were coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When we talk about John's baptism or we hear about John's baptism or you know, we're reading it and it makes reference to John's baptism. John's baptism was one of repentance and confession. That's what John's baptism was. Repentance and confession. Now remember, when we read about John's baptism, we read about it for the most part prior to the work of the cross, right? We read about it prior to the work of the cross. Now this passage that we just read where Paul is given explanation in Acts chapter 19, you know, that was after uh, the work of Jesus and the work of the cross. But for the most part, we hear about it before. John wouldn't even baptize somebody if they had not already repented and confessed. And, and he wouldn't baptize people if he didn't see the evidence of it. John was hard-nosed, man. He wouldn't. If he didn't see the, the evidence of it, he would send you away. In fact, he did so to the Pharisees. He did so to the religious leaders. He sent them away. He said, you know, you're, you're coming here in vain just to, to do a, a religious act. I see no fruit in your life. Beat it. And he totally said, beat it. John's baptism was one of repentance and confession. This is why, upon being asked by Jesus to baptize him, what did John say? (laughs) It's me. You come to me asking me to baptize you? It is you that should be baptizing me. Even John didn't, didn't quite get it. What Jesus was coming to do and to be baptized in was not John's baptism. It was not a baptism of repentance and confession. Does that make sense? When we read these passages, I mean, how many of you guys have ever wondered, yeah, I mean, why is, you know, why is Jesus getting baptized by John? Have you ever wondered that? Why was Jesus baptized? Why Jesus needed to be baptized? Jesus had no sins to repent of. Jesus had no need for cleansing. Jesus had nothing to confess. Right? Friends, neither do we when we come into the waters of baptism. Neither do we. Neither do we. When we believe in Jesus as the Lord and risen Savior and we confess Him as such, then we are no longer in need of cleansing. We're no longer in need of saving. We're clean. We're whole. We're saved. 
the Greek word for, for saved is sozo, which means saved, healed, delivered. Saved, healed, delivered. When we trust our lives with Christ, that's what we become. Saved, healed, delivered. If we're dirty, go take a bath or two. I'm not saying you guys need a bath. I mean, I'm not saying you don't. But that's not what that's not what a baptism is for. It's not to become clean. The blood of Jesus took care of that, right? The blood of Jesus cleansed us. It's not baptism that cleanses us. The blood of Jesus wiped away our sin, washed away our sin. When we came to the Lord in belief and we repented of our sin and we confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior with our mouth. Then those works of repentance and confession were done, right? First Peter 2 and Isaiah 53 make it perfectly clear that Jesus never committed any sin and that deceit was never found on his lips. Jesus had never committed any sins which needed repentance or confession of. So obviously Jesus had no need for John's baptism. So why was Jesus baptized? Let's look at his answer once again. We read this earlier. So Matthew three fifteen through 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John j- tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answers and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. For us to fulfill all righteousness. For us to complete all righteousness. First of all, how amazing is it that Jesus uses the word us? Let's think about that. He didn't say for me to complete, to fulfill all righteousness. He says, for us. That's you. That's me. That's Jesus. In Jesus' response, we find both the reason why Jesus was baptized and the true significance of a full Christian water baptism. Jesus was baptized so that he might fulfill and complete all righteousness. All righteousness. So many times when it comes to baptism, we think that it's merely just to identify and align ourselves with Christ's burial and resurrection. And that's what we think water baptism is. It's just to identify with his burial and resurrection. And that is part of it. But Jesus sat here and told us what the purpose of it was. So that he might complete and fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was deliberately and purposely establishing a behavior for us. He was setting an example of the baptism that he desired all believers to follow. How awesome is it that Jesus, Jesus in typical Jesus fashion, sets the example for us. Sets the way for us. The baptism we see Jesus do is the first water baptism ever. 
Yeah, I know you hear of water baptism before, but that was John's baptism. That was of repentance. That was of confession. The work that Jesus did here was the very first Christian water baptism. The ones that we do are a result of the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to set the example for us in baptism and say, hey, it's not, it's not about repentance. It's not about confession. It's not about cleansing. See, see, Jesus knew he was going to pay the price for us in that. Church, we got to get this. Friends, we, we totally got to get this. Jesus knew what, what lied ahead of him. He knew the price that he would pay, that he would lay down his life, that he would shed his blood. He knew that his blood would bring cleansing. And he knew that to come to him, we must repent and believe and confess, right? So he's setting the example in this baptism. So why are we baptized in water? We are baptized because we follow the example of Jesus Christ. And so that all righteousness might be completed and fulfilled in our lives. And we do this publicly so that God's glory might be seen. We do this publicly so that God's glory might be seen. Read this passage again. Verses 16 and 17 of Matthew 3. When he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus immediately came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came in from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son on whom I am well pleased. Friends, it's not any different when we go into that water and we come up. We need to to be able to hear and know that our Father's up in heaven saying, That's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's my son in whom I'm well pleased. We do it publicly as a proclamation to the world so that God's glory might be seen. We better be believing for the heavens to open up to our lives, church. We better believe it's not just a symbolic act we're doing. When we go under that water, we better believe that the heavens are going to be opened up and that the Spirit of God is going to descend upon us and that the Father is going to proclaim His love and affection and approval of us because of the work of Jesus Christ and that our lives are going to be changed. Jesus completed this inward righteousness by an outward act of obedience to his Father. And we do the same. We do the same. As Christians, we do not get baptized merely because we have repented of our sins. That is not why we do it. That's not merely why we do it. We do it because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. We do it because of the life and the death and the resurrection and the life again of Jesus Christ. We have been made justified 
in the sight of God. We have been made right in the sight of God. What a powerful thing that is. Because of the work of Jesus, because He shed His blood, because He paid the price, you and I have been made right in the sight of God. You know, we hear a lot about an angry God and a vengeful God, and we, we hear about it a lot in the, New Te- in the Old Testament before the work of Jesus. I mentioned a baptism of suffering. That's not a baptism for you or I. Baptism of suffering, it's not one we have to endure because Jesus Christ did it for us. Because Jesus Christ endured that baptism for you and I. We don't have to endure baptism of suffering. Jesus did. And because of that work, because of the shedding of His blood, when He looks at you and I, He doesn't see our sin or our garbage or our junk or any of that stuff because it's been washed away. We don't need waters for that. We need the blood for that. Right? So our sin's been washed away because of the work of Jesus Christ. The atoning, complete perfect work and based on placing our trust in Jesus God has given us the completed fulfilled righteousness of Jesus Christ and when we are baptized we experience that when we are baptized we experience the the fullness the completion of his righteousness Our lives are meant to be changed. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from death. And He lives today. And we are supposed to do the same thing. Kind of. The price was paid. But when we go under that water, we are being buried. We are We are dying to sin, to our past, to our hurts, to our shames, to everything. When we go under that water, it is. It is symbolic of Jesus going into that tomb dead. Dead. And when we come up out of that water, we leave death behind. We leave death behind. We leave the past behind. We leave shame behind. We leave sin behind. We leave that all. And we are resurrected into life with Him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? And we come out of that water expectant of the opening of heaven to our lives and for us to never be the same. When we come up out of that water, we come up to a new life. We come up to healing. We come up to grace. We come up to Jesus. This is why we're baptized. This is why we're baptized. So I've got a short list of people who said, yeah, I've never been baptized. So we got that list. 
But I want to encourage, I want to encourage each one of us. If you want to be baptized again, you don't have to be. But maybe you want that willful act of obedience. Maybe, maybe when you did it before, it wasn't a willful act of obedience. That's, that Jesus' was a willful act of obedience. And maybe when you were baptized before, that's not what it was. And so you want to be baptized again because now you're like, I want to do anything for you, Lord. Then I'd say, let's get you baptized next week. If when you were baptized, maybe maybe it was sprinkling or maybe it was a little water poured on your head and so there wasn't that full immersion into the water, identifying with his death. And then the full lifting out of that, identifying with his resurrection. And so, if you want to be baptized again, then hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. We, we encourage it. You guys, this, this life we live, this thing we do, this walk we walk, it, it's, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Either we are His or we're ourselves. Either we're living for Him or, or we're living for ourselves. I want to be identified with Him. I want to walk in the fullness of what He has. And the minute that I proclaimed Him as my Lord and Savior, I was given life. Life more abundantly. That's what He has for us. Baptism is not something that's got to be done by a pastor. Baptism is not something that's got to be done by a state official or an ordained. I mean, nothing. It does, I mean, it's great that we're having you know a service that we're dedicating toward baptism, but we see in the Word of God when someone was baptized and they had the understanding of what it meant, they were baptized immediately, like within hours. Church, baptism is something that you and I should be able to explain. And that we should then be able to do. And we just let someone to the Lord at the Chick-fil-A. And we said, where's the nearest lake? Where's the nearest pool? Or if you live in communist areas or, or oppressed areas, where's the nearest bathtub? See, there are some places where it can't be done. Baptism can't be done publicly. I mean, they'll be killed on the spot. We, we, we don't have to put up with that. We have freedom in this country where we can do it publicly, so we do it publicly. Church, we need to know this. We need to live this. We need to experience this. Here's 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 the here's the thing that's on my heart. How many of us are living our life right now without the completed work of Jesus Christ? Without the complete the completed work of His righteousness? How many of us are still living with hurts and we're not supposed to be? How many of us are still living with pain and we're not supposed to be? For whatever reason we hold on to it, we all have our reasons and none of them are God's plan. He wants us whole. He wants us healed. He wants us free.